Good evening, everyone. It is what eight oh five in the e- on a Wednesday evening, and I am Richie Zamar, the pickiest eater, and I am here with Chef Illustrators, two most sexiest chefs in the Philippines. Chef, what Edward in the world is Chef Illustrated? <laughs> you know, mga idol, I have a question. Like, na ba, mga the introduction gets weirder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a question, but I need to know, guys. Nagawan yun na ba yung FB avatar nyo? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sa akin na buo na. I don't know if it looks like me. <laughs> I don't know I've, if it looks like I've, me, but uh, it's up there. <laughs> I've played enough Sims, The Sims, in my life, so parang I'm 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 okay with not making another avatar. I, I'm I'm okay. <laughs> we'll see. If I get bored this weekend, I'll probably make one. Um, but sorry, we interrupted your introduction, Richie. So we're here with Chef Sharwin T, the pickiest and the pickiest eater in the world, Richie Zamora, um, and myself, uh, Edward Bugia, guys, for another wonderful, lovely, alluring. Scintillating episode of the Cine Gang season two. That's right, right. Hey, oh. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, I really like <laughs> that you use. Um, I really like that you use the word alluring. Because that's a perfect description for our guest tonight. Uh, oh, wow. Alluring, right? Oh. That's, the, that's the word. I think is perfect. No, so um, guys, you know we we. If you guys remember last year, uh, Netflix came out with this um, show. You know, everybody was waiting on another season of Chef's Table and nobody expected that they would release a series about street food you know, with the same makers. So they, mm-hmm. they, they actually created a show that treated street food like the way they would treat the chefs at Chef's Table. So it was such a revolutionary show um, in that they gave this... Um, extra treatment no, to, to, to things we buy off the street. No? And then, uh, of course, uh, as we all know, they featured Cebu. And then it sparked this wave of, ba, how do we describe this? Debate? Controversy? Ano bang, ano bang word for that? No? Was it a debate? I mean, you know. <laughs> well, everything on, uh, everything on social media is... Uh, it's a debate these days, <laughs> but you know we can we can we can talk about this all we want, but we weren't uh, inside, right? We can all give our opinions. I think everyone yeah. gave their opinions, but I think uh, tonight we should get it straight from the person that was in the episode itself, right? Like, Tayo, we can we can speculate, we can justify, but the the I think the meat of the the answers that we seek come from our guest tonight so uh without yeah. further ado I'm, I'm i'm very excited uh guys to introduce our guest our guest is a um a writer a photographer an editor um and i i i know there's no official list but i'm pretty sure she's one of the most influential people in cebu so let's please welcome jude bacalso Woo! Oh my God, wait. Hey, welcome. 
way to pile on the pressure. <laughs> Thank you so much for piling on the pressure. Now I feel like I have to live up to all that you said. Um, thank you guys for having me and good evening to everyone or good morning or good um, good afternoon, whatever time it is, because, you know, the world is changing and anyone can watch this everywhere in the world. It could be anytime, anywhere. So hello. So we've gone international and Anax International. True, yes. <laughs> it's basically what the internet has done. Yeah, so welcome, welcome, Jude. It's nice Thank that we're for early for the change. <laughs> nice to have you, Jude. Nice to have someone from the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, guys, I just want to give a, a, a short background, no? Uh, so, during one of my earlier trips to Cebu, that was the first time that Jude and I met. And um, parang my only condition was, Jude, can you bring me to a place that's like super delicious? Um, and I kept suggesting, like, you know, the tourist traps, diba? Yung, yung, the ones we hear all the time, diba? Cebu Lechon and uh, Larchan, you know, like every, the ones we always hear about. And si Jude was like, no, 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 I'll bring you somewhere else. And she brought me to one of the greatest meals of my life. No kidding. You know, where was uh, this? Um, kay Kusina ni Nasing. Ah, and, yeah. Wait, hold on. Was this when you were shooting your show in uh, Before. Before pa. Before, before pa. right? So, yeah, we, we, I think it was like eight years ago or something. <laughs> but Wait, uh, I, I, I don't remember how exactly we met. I, I know that you were here in Cebu because that's like, you know, but who introduced us? And how did we the, get the internet? The internet introduced us. No, <laughs> Charwin, you don't remember so, him. It's a long, interesting story. But uh, basically, she uh, Jude read a book written by my friend. And then they became friends online. Oh, yes. And then my friend introduced me to Jude. So it's all online. Like we never talked, yeah. we never yeah. met. <laughs> yeah, with the Naomi. So it's really. Yeah. Um, but since then, since that meal, I have never trusted anyone else to tell me about Cebu food. This was a hole in the wall. I love bringing people to Holland Wall. I, I don't do that to a lot of people, seriously. Um, I would have gone with your tourist trap suggestions, but then since you're a chef and I know that you understand these things and you take them seriously, then I bring you to the the, the places that. You would appreciate. Otherwise, I would think twice about bringing a chef to Cocina uh, Nenesing, which is like a hole in a wall. And I still remember, I don't remember how we met, but then I remember exactly what Sharwin said about Cocina um, Nenesing. When we were enjoying her food, she's not a trained chef at all. The owner is not a trained chef. But Sharwin pointed out that she's actually using techniques that are very modern. And I remember you saying that because I <laughs> I wouldn't have known that because I, I don't cook. I'm not a chef. I'm a, I'm a food writer. So I, I, I tell people that I'm not a food critic. There's a difference. A food critic is someone who knows the techniques and can criticize because they, they can actually cook. I cannot cook to save my own life. But seriously, I mean, that's a, that's a disclaimer. I can eat. And I, I know I, I have a, a, a nose for good food. That is my superpower. But I'm a, I'm a food writer. I write about food. That's it. Jude, I, mean, I cannot decide. This is going to be st the start of a beautiful friendship because <laughs> I'm in the same boat as you. <laughs> you, can, you can't cook. Rishi, I don't cook. You can't. I don't cook. Oh, yeah. 
but what would we eat? And 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 now that exactly. I knew off the air, we were talking that um, Richie's family actually has amazing roots in Cebu. You have no um, like blood ties to Cebu, but then their family actually. If you're Cebuana, you're watching us, and you were here from what seventies to eighties. Magellan Hotel, their their family established Magellan Hotel. Um, Richie says it's the first hotel in Cebu. I had to check on that, but I'm pretty sure that it was one of the first hotels in Cebu because. Um, I don't know if it was even before the ones in Colon. Mm. There was a there was a hotel with a revolving restaurant. Center point. Yes. So Magellan. Point. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I might do a story on, on that, and I know who to call. Now I know who to call. <laughs> I'll try to get but as guys, much information on, huh? as I can before we do. Before you do, mm-hmm. let me try to get as much as information as I can, because I'm pretty right? sure. I, I, my dad forgot all the stories already, so. <laughs> well, you can embellish. I mean, it's always, it's always fun when people embellish their stories. It's, right, it's right. always fun. <laughs> Guys, I want to, I know, I got curious about Cusina, I know, Cusina Nina. Nina mm-hmm. Yeah, so there, no? Can you see that? So I'm sharing yeah. the screen now. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, what's the menu here? Guys, you were talking about it, but you didn't tell me the menu. Tell us, uh, tell us about it, all our listeners now. What's in Cusina Nina Singh? The amazing thing about these restaurants is it only had, at the time that I brought Sharwin there, it only had five items on the menu. And you know that when a restaurant only oh has five gosh. items on the menu, you're nodding. Chefs Whoa. here and food. If you only have five items on the menu, that means you you um, you do all of these things perfectly. You already know wow. to roast you don't need to expand your menu. So she started off with five items that were known for their liempo. Um, they were also yeah. known for um, fish that was cooked inside. Uh, that's that's what Sharwin liked. And he said that this technique is actually very modern. She would um, cover it up in a leaf. I don't know what leaf it was. Was it a banana leaf? Um, she would cook it inside a leaf and it was very lightly flavored. It was perfect. And she had no culinary background at all. She just liked food and she knew what tasted good. And she yeah. went with that. And um, I've always been a fan of hers. Um, I love... I love it when, because I'm a writer, so I love it when there's a hook to a story that really draws me in. And what actually drew me into her story, to Cosina Dina Singh, is the fact that um, people would line up and when I first heard of it, they said, oh, you better go as early as like 6 p.m., 7 p.m. Because by 8 p.m., they're closed because all of their stuff is gone. It's all sold out. And this is like a takeout counter. But they had... So for Mika tables at the back, um, like monoblock chairs at the back where you could have dinner, but not a lot of people knew that you could dine in there at the back. You had to know the owner or you had to be an old timer. So I brought Charlotte. Or you have to know Jude. You'd charm the owner. Can we eat here? She would say yes, but then normally no, she wouldn't. So they only had five items on the menu. Um, they wow. slowly expanded. And she would never add to it unless it was up to her standards. And her standards are pretty high. I, I mean, in terms of food, because if Sharwin is happy with it, and, and she was she was, all, she was always shocked. I bring people there. In fact, when the Netflix group actually came over, I also suggested that because I'm a huge fan. But she didn't make the cut. Um, 
you want me to go straight into that? Because when they were asking me uh, what um, what food items they wanted to feature, because that's exactly what they 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 wanted me to do, just to suggest. Um, they actually went to all of the suggestions, and I was not the only one that they asked. They ask um, three, four people it, it, that were connected to Cebu and Cebu cuisine. So I was only one of probably five people that they asked. And all of the... So, um, wait, uh, Jude, so we're... The, the show itself, the episode itself, had like five features long, you know? Uh, there was yeah. the main feature and then four, four smaller features. So that's just five dishes or five places. So you're telling me... Um, there, there's four of you that were consulted. And yes, and we've each asked of you four, how many? Each. Yes, like probably five each. List five each. Um, they would look at it, and some would overlap because uh, a lot of us suggested the same things. Because when you talk about Cebuana cuisine, it's very limited. It's very limited. Our, our food is very simple. Um, in the episode, actually, I don't know if it came out because I only uh, have a confession. I've never watched it. <laughs> I've never watched it. I've never watched this series. I'm weird like that. When I'm involved in a project, I do not like watching myself or watching anything that they've done because it's it's weird. It's like I don't want to be um, I don't want to be starstruck because I know how amazing they were. In fact, when they first called me, almost to the day, it was September of 2018. I remember exactly, um, well, she called me in around October, se September, yeah, September of 2018. It was a phone call. Can I that go back to, to the very beginning? I'm pretty sure you're, you're, you, you want to know how it all started. It right. started with a phone call. It started with a phone call from, I don't know if it was Ruby Ohm or Susie Beck. So these two nice ladies were um, field producers of a company called, they were a production company called um, Broadway uh, um, Boardwalk Pictures, Boardwalk Pictures. So Boardwalk Pictures partnered with David Gelb. David Gelb is a, a producer and a director, and he created Chef's Table and Jiro dreams of sushi. He was the guy behind these things. And, and um, he created um, after Chef's Table and all of the awards that they got, like Sharwin said earlier, they wanted to do something different and they did street food. So when she called me up, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Susie. She called me up and when she introduced herself as from the team that did Chef's Table, seriously, I screamed um, obscenities at her. Seriously. I mean, how could you not, how could you not? I'm a huge fan of Chef's Table. For me, Chef's Table is like the gold standard of documentary food series. They've won a lot of awards. They're storytellers. Um, you know that it's about food. You know that it's about the chef, but it more than anything, it's about the story. And the way they shoot it is so lush. You know, it's 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 amazing the great respect they that they they give to food in the way that they present it. It's lush. The only word I can think of is lush. And I screamed because I was like whoa, they're going to give the chef's table treatment to food that I might potentially have a hand in 
promoting or telling them about it. And that really excited me. And, and you know, the obscenities came out after that because I was like, <laughs> no, I mean, you can, I'm pretty sure you can, you can, you can relate to this. I was screaming. And when I calmed down, she said, can you give me a list of at least five food that you would like to be featured or you'd like to suggest to us? And that's what I did. And little did I know that they had also called in. I only found out um, after when the news you know, blew up and people started to say, oh, I was also contacted. They also spoke to me. But I was the only one that ended up um, on screen. And one of the, the resource person that they, 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 they ended up with on screen. But the person that I really have to thank for, for all of this, is a, an amazing documentary photographer called Jacob Metz. So Jacob is American, but he has lived in the Philippines and specifically Cebu for a lot of years. So there's a lot of international talent that live and work out of Cebu and you wouldn't know it. So he actually does documentaries and, and shows them around the globe, but his base is Cebu, he's American. I work a lot with him. Um, in fact, a few months before uh, I got the call from the Netflix guys, we had just released a story on Smile Magazine um, about the eel. So that's what got them interested. So when, I think when they, what happened was, so Netflix, um, they were Googling. And um, I don't know if this was part of, of trivia or people know this as a fact, but they had already shot all episodes of it. If I remember it right, we were episode number eight, we're at the last. So the whole whole team had photographed and, 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 you know, they, they, they already taped the entire show. They went back to the U S and then suddenly they said, Oh, maybe we should do one more. And they were thinking between Hong Kong and the Philippines and Hong Kong. You can just imagine has a more vibrant food scene than ours. A lot of their food is Michelin starred and, and it's really hawker and street food, literally street food. But you must remember that these people are storytellers. They're looking for stories that have not been told. So when they Googled, they got interested in the Philippines because of an article that Jacob photographed and um, I, I, I wrote for Smile Magazine about the eel. The article was actually about Chele Gonzalez. Chele Gonzalez, you, you, you all know Chele, right? Um, Chef Chele yeah. uh, opened a restaurant in Cebu during that time at um, Crimson Restaurant, a uh, Spanish restaurant called Enye. So um, Smile had me write a story about him. And my idea was, why don't we bring him to the local flavors? Because I, I know that's how he operates. He loves um, discovering flavors and to bring them. And I know you chefs love that, to go to the actual source, to see how they're consumed or how they're um, prepared by the locals. And then put your spin on it. So I understood that completely. So I brought him to uh, Mactan where luckily Jacob is from and uh, to a town called Cordova. And that's where Anoy uh, Entoy and his Bakasihan or the eel place is. So um, he loved it. He loved the experience. If Cocina Nesting was a hole in the wall, this was like, I don't know, it was a crack in the wall, literally like a crack <laughs> in the wall. It just existed on, it was corrugated um, um, steel on top and it was just like, the, the the whole place could have just been blown over by a gust of wind. And, and he's been there because like all food that is advertised as an aphrodisiac, it always has a you know, longevity. People always go look for it. So he survived all of that 
Um, you know, uh, there's something about ano, no? There's something about uh, our food, or or just generally food in Asia. Um, everybody seems to want yeah. to talk about how it will strengthen your libido, and um, yes. I don't know why. I don't know I mean, why. Check everybody... it out. Check the photo out, man. That's that's super libido inducing. Right <laughs> and yeah. I'm I'm getting hungry, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So out of out of curiosity, uh, Jude, what were the five uh, places that you suggested? Not necessarily what ended up on the show, but you, you suggested five. So what did you suggest? I don't um, exactly remember anymore what they were, but I'm pretty sure Cusina Nursing was there because they visited her. Um, but uh, also Noyantoy, um, the Bakasihan place. I also suggested Ngoyong. You've probably heard of Ngoyong. Uh, if you've lived yeah. in Cebu, Nodding his head. So if you if you know Cebu, Moyong is like a it's a legendary Cebuano food that is our take on Kikyam. The difference with Kikyam is it's actually Hokkien food. Uh, Moyang, I think it's the 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 original Chinese version of the dish is Moyang, and we called it Moyong. Uh, the difference with um, with kikiam is that this one has a lumpia wrapper on top of it and then batter so it's deep fried with lumpia and batter so it's like a little sausage inside but our original ngoyong the way I remember it because there are no in-depth stories about it yet I would love to do that uh, but I haven't yet but when you ask people the original ngoyong was um, vegetarian it was meat free it was just um, singkamas inside and five spice uh, five spice powder which is what makes the the ngoyong um, taste distinct. So yes. five spice. Um, is actually the the Vietnamese uh, term for five spice. There you uh, go. So so that's why I was um, I was wondering why people don't understand that the main ingredient of ngoyong is five spice powder because it's the name. Yeah, ngoyong. So I heard there's um, I heard there's something about the ngoyong because um, when the episode came out. People were wondering why they featured Lupiang Gula instead of Moyong. (laughs) They actually called me about that. Ruby was fell in love with um, uh, Ruby and and Susie. Actually, fell in love with uh, Ruby Lin. Ruby Lin is the woman who was selling Lupia. And when I, the the first and only time that I saw the episode was when they um, launched it in Toyo Eatery. So there's like a gathering of media people there and they showed it for the first time. It was the first time I ever watched the episode. And I had to because I was there at the venue. So to watch it, I fell in love with Ruby. She was not one of the people I suggested. Um, Lumpia definitely was not one of the food that I suggested because it's not particularly Cebuano. It's Chinese, right? It's Chinese and any part of this of the, the country has a version of it. But what happened was the the crew actually just stopped over on their way to Noi Entoy's eatery, which is at the end of the road. So Ruby Lin's Karinderia, tiny Karinderia, seriously, another crack in the wall. It's not even a hole in the wall. It's like a little crack of it. It's funny. She's at a at basketball court and you wouldn't miss it because she's like a tiny green corner. Yeah. And she had this exuberant personality that everyone just fell in love with. So... They do their homework. The Netflix guys do their homework. She fell in love. The, one of the producers, Susie, fell in love with her personality. Because she was like, yes, yes, yes. I'll, I'll prepare food for you. And she made up there, no? <laughs> oh, Well, just for the episode. She put on really rough <laughs> <laughs> 
I saw. I remember the lipstick. I remember. Yeah, the lipstick. it's Ruby Lynn and her ruby lipstick, and, and, and you know the way she said, "My lump, yeah." You know, so it's an <laughs> internet meme, and and you know, I show it to her, and she's she's amused by it. But so they fell in love with her, and they had to ask me if they could feature lumpia. Um, and I told them that it's not particularly Cebuano, but they went with it because they just totally fell in love with her. And she was street food. She's the, she's the epitome of street food because she really sold her food by the street. And she's a little, like more, a little bigger than a cart really. And, And she has this beautiful personality. So they were looking for people that they could feature and use the food as a background. So a lot of people, a lot of the controversy about it is because people forget that it is the story and the people that actually run the show. Uh, confession, I had never met or written about Noi Entoy before Netflix discovered him. I had written about his food. I had brought amazing chefs to his food, but I had never met him, which is why Susie, one of the producers, kept asking me, what can you tell me about Tentoy? Because we met him. He's a funny character. He's a funny guy. He would always stay in the corner. He would never be outside when people would come in because he was already like a legend there, but he he would not entertain people. It was his daughter-in-law, Beda, who actually ran the show already, and he was just always in the background. So... Um, I never met him. And then when they, I only discovered him really when I saw the episode for the first and only time. And he was there and it's like, I, I fell in love with him. So they knew these people knew how to pick. I mean, my superpower is like, I have a nose for where the good story is. That was also their superpower, which kind of gets lost in all of the conversation because the purists want it to be more of the food. Why did this food make the cut? Was this uniquely Filipino? And, and, and I think a lot of the controversy stems from the fact that you have to step back. You have to step back and take a look. Was it a good story? Did it leave you with a good feeling? Is it food that you would like to try if you were not from this country? And it always amazes me now, years after, exactly probably two years after, that um, Noy Entoy, who just recently, by the way, passed away. He passed away. Yeah. God rest his soul. He passed away peacefully last month. I, I don't know how peacefully you can die, but as peacefully as you can. It wasn't COVID-related. Um, um, he, he had a stroke and um, yeah, they called me up because we've become a little tight family. We have a chat group going on, all the, all the people who were involved um, in the show. And um, yeah, we would always come out and, 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 and talk about it. Or I would always bring them to my events when I have like a huge events. I would always have them featured. Maybe you'd like to feature uh, the, the street food guy. So we had like a little fun family going on and yeah so um and also one of the food that i suggested was of course tuslubua and larang uh which sharwin actually featured those two he actually featured in um in curiosity got the chef when he did it in cebu so those were the two 
that I was pushing for, but they fell in love with the story of Entoy. So they asked me, can we choose this instead? Because we really wanted the eel. Um, we really wanted to feature it because they did not want us to do barbecue because when you talk about Cebu, it's always Larshan, 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 uh, the barbecue place. And it's legendary, yes, but we don't want to do barbecue. That's the first thing that she told me when she called me up. We don't want to do barbecue because we did it in Indonesia already. Um, satay, was it satay or satay? Satay. Satay was... Uh, Satay was something that they featured in another country, but she said, but we've never done eel. And so we want to do this eel. So they got intrigued with that article and flew to the Philippines and decided against doing Hong Kong. Can you imagine? Um, they decided against doing Hong Kong and chose the Philippines because they, they thought that there were stories there that had never been told before. And that's what a storyteller does, right? I mean, the first thing she, I mean, one of the first things that she told me when she called me is, we're definitely not going to do balut because they did their homework. They oh, Googled. thank you so much. Uh, you know, <laughs> Good food. job. Good <laughs> job. Yeah. Um, street food, Philippines. And the first thing it would come out was balut and fishball. And I told them, fishball isn't even fishball. So that's kind of difficult to explain to them. Uh, but they, they totally got it. They totally got it. And they appreciated the fact that there were um, other things on the menu that had to be explored. So they loved that. The, uh, off the bat, I also told them that this is going to be controversial. Uh, people are going to say a lot of things about this because you chose to only shoot in Cebu. Of course, as a like a unofficial ambassador, so I was like, yes. And then you know, my first reaction was, seriously, sorry, Manila. But my first reaction was, yes. And I had to, like, my first thought was like, girlfriend, you got to sell this. You got to sell this, girlfriend. So they don't look any other direction. They were very non-committal when they would talk to you. I didn't even know that I was going to end up on the screen until like a few days before they shot it. Um, they would never promise that you'd be on it or the places that you suggested would be on it because they knew that you might get excited and, and call the owner and get probably get favors and, oh, you're going you're gonna to get featured and this and that. So no, no promises at all. They that, is, that, is, uh, that is very interesting that um, yes. they wait until the last moment to, to really decide. tell you guys, yeah, to decide on which to feature mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm. But you know, um, just uh, a couple of points from me. Uh, I didn't see the episode immediately when it dropped. So I was in, I think I was in Iloilo with Chele, incidentally. So we were in Iloilo and then somebody started this thread and then I saw that. And they were, some of them were angry, you know? Where, um, yeah. And I was like, what's wrong? And then they, they listed down the food that was being featured. And they said, these are not indicative of the country. And my first reaction was, but they're shooting in Cebu. So, mm -hmm. of course, they're going to feature Cebuana food. And then when they told me it was Nilarang and Kuslubua, I'm like, I think Jude is the one who handled it. So when I went home, I checked the episode and then I found you there. Um, because uh, when we went to Cebu to do our show, that was my concern. I told Jude, like, can we do something outside of Cebu Lechon and outside of Larshan? So we actually shot um, exactly two minutes of video in Larshan. That's it. We I didn't even um, sit down there because we wanted to feature um, 
you know, Cebuano food that people don't really talk about. And um, I think, Ed, you were, it was a discovery for you, right? Like, Tuslobua was something you've never tried before. The, the brain, uh, brain fondue. Up to, up to now, I still haven't been able to make my way there. Um, but when I saw it on the show, I was like, what in the world? What in the world is that? I want that now. <laughs> it was at that level. I, I remember I messaged you. I messaged our other writer friends, no, Tilabea. I said, hey, guys, what in the world is that? I need that in my body <laughs> ASAP. I haven't please, been back to Cebu. Please tell me if you, if you find yourself here because I'm going to um, let you taste two versions of it. The one that Ian has mm -hmm. in his restaurant and the authentic one in Pasil because nothing compares to that. Nothing really compares yes. to the authentic. Because I actually brought Sharwin to the authentic um, Tuslubua and um, Nilarang and we had the barangay captain of Barangay Pasil actually cook for us. <laughs> and it was a fun episode because they used puffer fish. Is and Sharwin was afraid for his life because if you know pufferfish <laughs> in Japan, in Japan you have to have a special license in order to prepare it, otherwise it would be poisonous, right? And and I told him because okay, Sharwin, they actually use pufferfish, which is you know, could be poisonous. And he he, I remember him asking me, "Has anyone died of it?" I've never heard of anyone dying of it. But maybe, you know, it was never reported, but we'll find out a few minutes later. <laughs> well, actually, um, we, we, um, we actually stopped uh, filming um, because, of, uh, because of an accident with the stove. No? But during yes. that pause, I actually started researching. And I found out that the fish that they used is actually porcupine fish. So it's not, it's a cousin <laughs> of the puffer fish. So it's yeah, not, it's not the exactly the same, but it's not poisonous. So, um, but I felt better afterwards. No? But there was a five minute stretch where I was like, Jude is trying to kill me. So, but those two dishes, uh, Tuslobua and Nilarang, um, actually the bakasi, the eel is also Nilarang, right? So mm. Nilarang is the term for a sour soup. Um, so these two dishes are so oh, unique. No, incidentally, um, it, it's our version of sinigang. It's the weaker version of sinigang. Cebuanos are going to crucify me for saying that, but half of me grew up in, in Laguna. So one of my favorite dishes is actually sinigang. Uh, I, love, I love it really sour. And a little bit of trivia, Cebuanos back in the day when... Um, Manila food was trickling in, like sinigang. They would always, they would always cook it. Na, you know, it wasn't as sour as you would want it, because the sourest that we go is nilarang. So that would be the weaker version of sinigang. If it was any sour, more sour than that, it would be spoiled already. People would consider it spoiled. So. Uh, we didn't really go tamarind. It was more of um, kamyas. So it was soured with kamyas or with um, tomatoes. But the best version of it that I tried in Pasil was soured with green mangoes. So it's that kind of sour, not the tamarind sour. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, let's talk about that controversy thing. What's the one complaint? You know, no man, everything we do, there's complaints. No? I mean, like, you, the, the moment you appear on camera, 
somebody already has a complaint about you or whatever. <laughs> but for for the Cebu street food episode, what was the one thing that you really that really bothered you among the criticisms? Like you know, um, what's the one thing that really bothered you? Um, remember that I think the thread that you were talking about was by this director. Uh, the one who does Gagamboy, right? I, I forget it. <laughs> Richie Grant. <laughs> what, what, what was his name? Eric Mati. He is, uh, full disclosure, he's, uh, he's a friend. <laughs> but, but please speak freely. Speak <laughs> freely. He's not so I'm not concerned about that. So the thing is, um, he was. I think he was just being consistent because he's always, you know, um, raved against the fact that uh, the local cinema is being eclipsed by international uh, features. And this was, in essence, an international feature because it wasn't uh, a regional show. This was the production from the U.S. calling us up and asking me, can we do a story about you? So that for me, well, colonial mentality, I was like, whoa, yes. No, I'm not putting down uh, local or, or regional shows, but maybe part of his hate towards the show was because of that. And it turned out it made sense even more when it turned out he was actually doing a show for HBO that was also food flavored which turned out to be food lore right and so that made sense to me so it did really bother me because um he was just being consistent and i think he does that all the time he provokes people with he was on the wrong side very recently of the conversation as well i don't remember what issue it was but after street food he also commented something about like a national issue and he was he was also vilified in social media about it so it's apparently that's what he does he provokes with his ideas and then people talk about him but it backfired on him in Cebu because um I don't know if the Netflix people really understood the regionalism in the country um because originally, I don't know if this is also, if this was out in the stories, so I might be spilling the beans on this one. Originally, they wanted, instead of Chef Tatum, uh, they wanted Cloud, uh, Tayag. So they wanted Cloud mm-hmm. to be the, the main um, chef to be featured on it to comment on the food. Because I told them I cannot comment so much on, uh, on food because I, I, do not, I do not cook. I'm, I'm just a food writer and I just pointed you this direction. Mm-hmm. I can point you, that's my superpower. I can point you a direction. So they wanted Cloud Tayag. And I said that um, Cloud might not have um, any knowledge of the nuances of Samoana food, especially the Nilarang and the Tuslobua, because is he from Pampanga? He's from Pampanga, right? Is he? Yeah. So Claude is from Pampanga, and, and Pampanga was also angry about that episode because they're considered the street food um, capital of the Philippines. Uh, unofficially, they're considered that. So they, 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 they took offense to that at that and you know I remember in social media someone actually went on my page and and commented on it that it should have been Pampanga because we're the street food and then I explained to him what they wanted because they at the onset they said we were not going to do any of the stories that have been told before so they didn't want to do Sisig they did not want to do Balut they told me that it was the first thing that they told me so 
Funny thing, um, this guy who commented actually um, apologized for it and, and said I might have been over, you know, overreacting because of regionalism. And I'm glad that I did not attack him head on about it. I just explained to him that this is what the Netflix people wanted. So that was cleared up. So, you know, in the age of social media, I'm sure Sharwin also knows this one because he, he gets a lot of comments as well. Um, <laughs> it's, handling it, handling it is tricky. Handling it is tricky, but then we need to forget like the whole attitude that someone is out to get you. Yeah. So when I was doing the show and people just started like, no, 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 no. but I already told the Netflix people that this was going to happen. I already knew. Um, as someone who has chosen to be based in Cebu, I always have to defend Cebu to like a wider audience. And I, I love that um, unofficial job that is given to me because it. You know, a lot of people make assumptions about Cebu that they know, oh, yeah, yeah, Cebu, we know everything about it. You know, it's fun. It's it's sand and sea and all that. Um, they think it's just one island. And do you know that there are actually 167 islands when you say Cebu? And people don't I know, that. know that. I did not I did not, I did not, I did not know that. <laughs> people only know the mainland of Cebu and Mactan. Mactan Island was one of the bigger islands because that's where you land uh, when you land first in Cebu. But there are not only two islands. We're talking varying sizes, right? But there are 167 islands that surround Cebu. So there's so many stories that um, have not been told. So I love that role. And I approach every comment with that attitude. Uh, I'd rather educate you or give you the facts rather than go straight and say, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, I don't want to assume that you're an idiot because no one has an excuse to be an idiot in this day and age with the Internet. You know, you can always Google this and that information. But something that got lost in that translation, and you should tell Eric this, <laughs> is that um, <laughs> you should tell Eric this, that, well, he was just doing his job because he was promoting his own show. But that's the wrong way to go about it, that you pull something down in order to lift yourself up. And that was a sad thing for me. That was a sad thing for me, but I loved it. And the, and the Netflix people actually loved it because when I told them, oh my God, so this is what people are saying. This I forward dead to them uh, the conversations about it. And, and, and Susie said, well, but you already told us that this was going to happen and we knew that it was going to happen. That's why they had to ask me at every step, can we do this? Can we feature the Lumpia instead? Can we do that? And, and okay, here's the one thing. I hope that these people get to watch this episode, but we were all pushing for Ngoyong because between Ngoyong and Lumpia, Cebu would be Ngoyong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they actually went to because I suggested Domings, and Domings is like a legend. They, you know, they're they're a few houses away from me, and um, all the other resource people apparently also suggested Domings Ngoyong because it's it's considered original. I'm not sure if it's original. I'm sure there are others that came before them, but they they have that hold on um, popular culture in Cebu that they were original. Um, um, you know what they said so this might be part of um, uh, you know legend already but they said oh we're okay we don't need a feature we don't want a feature oh my god 
and, and, and si Bono, they answered, okay naman mi sa among halin. Uh, we're good with what we're making. So, uh, no. But, would they be, would they be the first? Would they be the first to refuse um, a feature from Netflix? I mean, I would imagine any place. They, they never really did um, introduce themselves as Netflix. They worked with um, a local production company as well that would scout out uh, all the venues that we suggested. And so they, they did that before the team from Netflix flew into the Philippines. The local team actually scouted them out and they would narrow down the list from all five of us or four of us that were, that were the resource people. They would check them out first and it went through that first level. And then when Ruby and Susie came to the Philippines, then they would do their own check. They would interview all these people. And that's when they would narrow it down because they knew who they would fall in love with and who, knowing the flavor of Chef's Table, would be a perfect fit into that whole storytelling technique. So that's how it, it got formed, you know? And people don't know that's how it was so that's why they have a lot to say about it but yeah if you knew how it was formed and what great respect the people at Netflix put in their due diligence and their homework and actually asking people if this was okay I'm sorry but we fell in love with this one and oh Jude um Nguyen actually refused. Can we look for another one? And, and you know, and uh, yeah, so that's how it was. And I remember Sharwin was asking me, how was the shoot? They worked with German efficiency. These people were lightning fast. And uh, I can actually say, oh, I've worked with chef's table people, you know. And <laughs> when they told me that, when they told me that um, my shoot would be 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. It did not matter if you were not able to answer all of their questions. At 3 p.m., they had to pack up because time is gold and we have to move on to the next shoot after this. We only gave you 2 to 3 p.m. What they really wanted to concentrate on, because I, I think I was just, uh, they included me out of courtesy because most of the stories there were, were mine or, you know, they, they love the fact that I, I, I gave them a lot of information. So it was just a courtesy. And in fact, when they shot me, um, my house just burned down a night before. Oh, no. So you could just imagine. So this, um, I don't know if you've heard of um, culinary, Cebu Culinary Showdown, uh, the National Food Showdown with Mirna Segismundo. Um, they do this this food showdown, right? So they have a version of it in Cebu, which is related to the National Food Showdown. They were doing that on that day, and I was hosting it. I've been hosting it for years. Um, the night before. Uh, my house burned down. So the next oh, day wow. I had to tell them, I had to tell them uh, I cannot come because my house burned down. But on that very same day, the Netflix people, I already brought them to um, the food showdown and I introduced them to all the people that they, that they wanted to meet. So I introduced them to, to Mirna and the team and everyone. So they would have, because the thing is, I wanted them the funny thing is, oh, I'm thinking, should I say this? But then Richie said, speak freely. Eric, oh, wow. <laughs> Eric actually had a, a point when he said it was poverty porn. 
That was okay, his term, right? What are the things that later on when you were when you're done that I was going to interject? But yes. no, you can uh, finish first. I'll, I'll 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 elaborate more on that. Oh God! So Susie, if you get to see this, uh, I'm sorry, but that's also how I felt because. Um, I only came out really in the episode like a minute. Yeah, it's cut up. And it's, I, I, you know, they used some of the facts that I, I gave them interspersed in the story. But I gave them a one hour interview. And most of the interview, I was trying to veer away from um, poverty and, you know, what the Philippines is and in Cebu in particular. Because I did not want that to be the picture the world would see of Cebu. Although um, the food that I introduced to them, Larang Tuslubua, is directly related to poverty. These, you know, the, the cuisine in Pasil would not have been invented without poverty. In fact, now that Pasil is um, a little bit more affluent, uh, compared to what it was before. The other food that we're talking about, like Tuslubua, is slowly dying. It actually died out three to four years ago because of the introduction of buy one, take one angels burger. I mean, if you were marginalized and you were faced between Tuslubua, the concept of Tuslubua really is you just pay for the puso or the hanging rice. That's what you would pay for. The gravy, the brain was for free. They made it as salty as they could so you would buy as many uh, puso as you could because that's the only way they would make money. You had to pay for the puso and everyone was free to just um, dip it into the brain souffle. And that was the concept of it. But when buy one, take one burger came out, I mean, no one would opt to go to like sharing saliva and sharing everything. <laughs> and then <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you tell a kid to choose between pork brain fondue and buy one and take one burger, it died out until Ian Sekong, who started out his business because it was slowly become an urban legend. That's the story uh, behind his own Tuslubuwa version. It became an urban legend. And Ian works with the band community in Manila and the rest of the country. And when people would visit us, the first thing they would ask is, so where do you get Tuslubuwa? And it's difficult for Sidwana to answer that question because, like in my case, I had to bring Sharwin to Pasil and ask the barangay captain, because I have these connections, to cook for him because it was already dead by that point and you could not get it commercially because of Angel's Burger, right? So because I had connections, I, I asked the barangay captain to cook it for us but it was basically dead and ian brought it back to life uh not completely faithful to the flavor of it it was his version it was a commercialized version of it it was something that he offered to tourists now so that's what also attracted the netflix people to his story because he was trying to revive something that was already dying because an area that pasil in this case that developed it because of poverty was becoming affluent so people had the means to buy the burger and not the pork brains that were um something that you couldn't sell anymore in the market so it was basically refuse that they put I think the, the tough part 
the tough part about making this show, the Netflix street food, is trying to balance talking about poverty and talking about yeah um, street Actually, food because generally that's how street food came about because of yes. poverty. <laughs> yes. Um, because Richie, what did you what you were gonna say something about poverty? I can't. Uh, I I didn't. I haven't spoken to him to Drek Eric about this controversy, so I can't. Uh, defend what he said or I can't really explain what he said what he meant but something that I can tell you about him is that uh, something that I know for a fact about him is that poverty porn especially when uh, uh, foreigners use the Philippines for poverty porn that's what upsets him because he mm-hmm. does that there's he more does it all pardon he, well, he does it all the time right to exploit <laughs> For his own movies, and well, I kind of understand. So, I, in that way, um, I was a little bothered when they were interviewing me. Plus, the fact that my house just burned down, I was completely there, and their questions were actually geared towards that. Um, I made it a point for them to meet the top level chefs in the country, the sophisticated ones, because I wanted them to see that there is a vibrant uh, community um, culinary scene in the country that is apart from the street food. So I wanted it to be a good balance. Before they went and shot everything, I wanted them to know that there is a Michelin-starred chef uh, who started his restaurant in Cebu. Jason Atherton at that time had just opened his first and only restaurant in the Philippines as a love letter to his wife because he married his Juana. So they, he started, uh, uh, he was one of the first people to get a mission star the quickest for Paulian Street Social in London. And um, he, and the people were like, why Cebu? Why, who would eat there? And, and it remains a fact that Cebuano's, the regular Cebuano does not eat in, in his restaurant because that's not the type of cuisine that um, the Cebuano is used to. But that's uh, pig and the palm, right? Pig and palm, yes, pig and palm. And uh, even now, uh, people struggle to to um, appreciate it because it's not Cebuano at all. But I wanted um, the Netflix people to understand that oh, there's another um, chef who worked for a Mission Start restaurant who also started um, a Marco Anzani who used to work for um, Shangri La in Mactan is based here in Cebu, married also a Cebuana and started a restaurant mm. in Zani. So we have that scene. Um, uh, one of my favorite chefs is, is um, Izzy C. He also started um, Kayu, which is one of my favorite restaurants here. I think he, he also apprenticed for an iron chef. Muramoto, is it Muramoto? Uh, iron chef oh. Muramoto. Oh, wow. So, Apprentice for Iron Chef Muramoto and came back to Cebu. His family, okay, Richie, you might be interested in this. Um, since you're old hotelier families, his family owns Montebello. Montebello oh. Hotel was the other um, chic hotel during that time. So it was Magellan nice. Hotel and Montebello Hotel. Uh, both locally owned hotels, um, Montebello. So they were, their family actually has a rich culture, a rich heritage when it comes to to um, to hotelier 
and food in Cebu because they brought what was during that time known as a smorgasbord, which is now what we call the buffet. They were the very first one to introduce that in Cebu. So my dad yeah. still calls it smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. <laughs> Let's go get something for the smorgasbord. Yeah, so that, yeah our dads um, call it that. It's a sign of refinement. They were introduced to it very young. So we were introduced to it when it was called the buffet. They knew it back in the day when it was called the smorgasbord. So <laughs> that's how yeah. you know, and that's how you age people eh, when they use smorgasbord. <laughs> or in Richie's case, old rich. That's what the old rich called it. Right? <laughs> Ngayon, pag Gen Z, it's ano, eat all you can, some you. That's how you know. Eat all you can, some you. Eat all you can, some you. Eat all you can, some you. Pag Gen Z ka. May anni ba? May anni rice? Kaya tayo sa smorgasbord, tapos nood tayo ng combo. Ano? Ang combo, yes. And the best combos. Sissy, edad mo. No, seriously, they played at Magellan, the legendary bands. I think Firelight's band, if I'm not mistaken, Firelight's band called um, uh, uh, Magellan Hotel their home until Slabadu came out. I, I think so. I, I think most of the great bands, um, well, now they're called bands, but yes, the Combos back in the Combos. 70s were <laughs> playing at Magellan Hotel. Oh. Wait, you know, so bands used to be called, and I'm not joking, huh? I'm old. But I don't know na combos used to be. Yeah, combo. The 60s. 60s, 70s combo. Hindi ko alam yun. I learned something new today. Yeah. Combo. Kahit panahon ng dad ko eh, combo rin tawag nila. Sorry, no offense, Richie. I got it from my Yeah. So yun, um... Is there a because some some countries do this? Some cities uh in in other countries, they have a certain theme tour, the right? theme tour meaning oh when you go to Vietnam oh this was the Anthony Bourdain tour, when you go to oh no this was the the whatever show uh when I go to New York, I actually yeah. wanted to do a Netflix tour. I actually wanted there to do you that. Go. And then COVID happened. COVID happened. We were already planning it. Um, we're already planning everything. Um, I was talking to um, payment options about it, um, the wireless payment options. I was talking to companies about it. I flew to Manila to, to meet with them. We wanted to launch it in a big way. And then COVID happened. So um, when this is all done, I might probably do that. I've been doing it Uh on my own for free for people that I like, like Sharwin. I did that nice. for him. Um, I, I, there, I've met a lot of chefs because of uh, international chefs. Um, the owner of Lasim Japan in, in Japan. Lasim is probably around like number 16 now in 50 best restaurants in, in Asia. And, um, one of the guys, uh, so I, I meet a lot of people who like Sharwin. I've never met. And then someone just says, oh, you're going to Cebu? You've got to talk to Jude. So they've never, I love that people are confident enough to just message me and say, can you bring me around Cebu? Can you take me to the food places? And they've never. That's why you need to, I know, you need to charge Naju. <laughs> and, and I do. You're, you've been doing this for free for yeah, so I long. Free because I, I love showing off my city to them. And then that's when I wanted to do that tour 
went because I, I do a lot of things so that was like down on my list and then suddenly I was like oh maybe I should do that because when I travel I love traveling I work for Cebu Pacific Air I'm a writer as well travel writer for for um, ink publishing which handles international um, in-flight magazines so um, I write for all of their titles as well I love doing the Airbnb tours I love doing those like the, the tours that are available and there there are um, these tours that are in Cebu, uh, wow. they're old tours as well, but nothing like I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely confident that it's nothing like I do because all of the people who love good food that I brought to, uh, I make it a combination of, um, touristy because they're, for me as a travel writer, personally, there's a reason why they become staple and touristy. At some point, they were the place to go to. And I'd like to remind people why they were the place to go to. So if you have enough time, I'm not against touristy places. When it's my first time in a country, I want to go to the touristy places. I want to see how the tourist place, touristy places became touristy places and what went wrong in the process, how they become the places to avoid. And how they sold out. <laughs> and, and I'm always lucky enough to know a local. I mean, it's always... It's always important to know a local. That that's what Sharwin had with me when he came over, and that's so happy with that. <laughs> yeah, you have to know a local. Well, it doesn't have to be me, but I have the best stories. <laughs> Seriously, I have the best stories, and, and you know they've been. Um, I can stake my reputation on that, and I, I well, the word that I would describe Cebu as, which you know, I'm Cebu, 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 Cebu. But the truth is, it's so mercurial. No, um, it changes all the time. I've lived here already. I, I lived in Manila for many years, but in Osmanias for many years. But then when I came back, every time I would come back, I would come home every two months, every two months or every three months. There would always be something new. So it's always mercurial. There's uh, the old would remain, but there was always something new. So as a travel writer, uh, when I'm asked by my editors, Tara Serim is one of my favorite people in the world um tara was the um for a long time the editor of smile magazine i loved her because she would always challenge me she would always say jude what's new in cebu and she had just featured it last month and smile is a monthly magazine so it always challenged me to look for places that would always be new even to an editor of her stature who probably has their ear on everything so I would always deliver and I think that's my secret superpower I always know how to sniff them out and I'm always at the right place at the right time I can't say I'm the best writer god no I'm not the best food writer um I think the best food writer already passed away just very recently Clinton Palanca was an amazing food writer I've do not hold not even a matchstick or a candle to him. Um, he's amazing. I'm not in that league at all. But I have my nose in everything that I can lead you the right direction. And I, I love that secret power, that silent power of influencing what you read and what you want to eat without you knowing it. And Because I've always been just a byline. I loved being a byline. 
um, you know, when you write an article by Jude Picasso, that's what what's the, that's what a byline is. And I've written so many articles that made a difference with uh, with people's lives. But no one ever takes a look at who wrote this or who the byline is. No one really cares about it, right? So, but I don't really care. I love that you packed your bags and tried this food and actually came back and shot an episode of of um uh of uh um uh Charlie's show in that case when he came back here um to do his whole show because I brought you there and I told you that story so I, I had to go back I had to go back to Cusinianism <laughs> it was like the greatest lempo and eggplant salad I've ever had in my life I don't know if it's just because of the ambiance because like you sit there no one else can sit there and it's like you hear the cars you can smell the cars pass by you know it's not exactly the greatest ambiance but the food is 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 amazing and and you know before we before we it's it you know it's it before we go i i'd love to maybe hear from uh jude like maybe another undiscovered Cebu food place that we can go to once this pandemic has been uh, under control. Like, uh, like what's a good still hidden? Of course, when we talk about it now, it won't be hidden. But, um, <laughs> but what place would you recommend that nobody has really talked about yet? Frankie because when I go to Cebu, the first place I go is Dim Sum Break. That's a classic because if if you've lived in Cebu, you develop that taste, right? And the funny thing is, so the steamed rice, I'm pretty sure your staple is steamed rice. And I have a Cebuano in Manila classic story about that because when I was a freshman in Manila, in Los Manos, I would go to Manila on the weekends and I I went to Robinson's Galleria and there was this Chinese restaurant. I went there, oh, dim sum. I'm familiar with this cuisine. So I went in. I was so confident, sat myself down, ordered the, the side dishes and said, and steamed rice, please. <laughs> I went, Richie's laughing already because he knows that what steamed rice means in, in Cebu. When it really? came to, to my table, I was like, what the heck is this? What are you serving me? Uh, steamed rice. It was plain steamed rice because that's what I asked for. And this is only peculiar in Cebu because it was invented in Cebu. They invented it. The family who owns um, Dim Sum Break, uh, they invented that recipe. Um, uh, And uh, steamed rice is actually fried rice that they top with a gravy and bits of pork and vegetables. It's an entire meal in itself. And it is the foundation of your entire meal. And back in the day when we were in high school, you could only afford one. I don't know if it's 20 pesos and or probably something like that, 20 pesos back in the day. And your allowance for the week was 100 pesos, right? So that, <laughs> that 20 peso thing was the only thing you could afford. And everyone, this is very similar, would chip in, chip in. Uh, the term is chip in, chip in, right? chip in, chip in. Uh, what do you call it in Tagalog? Um, um, ambag, ambag, ambag. 
There you go, Amba Gampag. So it's, a, it, well, it's English, but then it's a Buana's English chip in, chip in. So chip in, chip in. We would chip in to buy the, the spring roll and one would buy the shawmai. So we would share the ulam. We would share all the side dishes, but we each had our own steam rice. And someone who couldn't afford the side dishes could live with the steam rice. Oh my God. So I haven't even answered Charmin's question. <laughs> um, a place that I would recommend. Okay, so these are two gems that I, I love in Cebu. These are two restaurants, actually, that are pretty up there. Um, I love number nine. I don't know if you've heard of number nine. Have you, um, guys? Okay, number so nine? Number, it's called number nine. It's in a lonely street, uh, which is like a back alley of a main road. So uh, parang Edsa. So you had Edsa because it would go through different schools in Cebu. But then there was a quiet back street parallel to it, um, Benedicto Street. So they're on number nine, Benedicto Street. Uh, that's why they're called number nine. So it's Spanish restaurant. It's a Spanish restaurant, but it is um, heirloom recipes by the family that used to live in the house. So it was their ancestral home. They made it into, uh, and Chef Edward's already Googling it, I'm pretty sure. So number <laughs> Number nine is like my go-to for great cocktails. Oh my God, their cocktails are so wow. amazing. Um, for cocktails, I'm a huge fan of number nine's cocktails and Pig and Palm. Pig and Palm has amazing cocktails. I love their signature cocktails. And I love Pig and Palm. I was able to go to Pig and Palm for dinner. Mm -hmm. their, their vegetable forward dishes were amazing. You could go vegan mm -hmm. eating at Pig and Palm. Yeah. True, true. And it's not something that Stuanos like. <laughs> the the vegetable dishes are not something mm -hmm. that they like. Uh, but I go for the alcohol. I love their, oh, their, their signature cocktails. That one. So number nine. I love number nine. Um, they're not trained chefs. The brothers are not trained chefs. I, I think um, Pippin um, is just learned from watching his mom cook or something like that. And it's their family home and they turn it into a restaurant and uh, you got to try their squid ink, their squid ink dish. I think, was it a risotto? I think it was a risotto, like a squid ink risotto. It's amazing. They have sous vide pork as well. That, um, that was like one of the first times that I was like, what's sous vide? And we cook it in a plastic bag. Oh, okay. So try it. It's really good. Loved it. And Caillou. Caillou is easy. Uh, I'm such a huge fan of his. Unfortunately, I'm a huger fan of his off-the-menu items. His off-the-menu items are like key. Like I'm sure, I mean, both chefs would agree that you'd love to experiment. And these are dishes that you know might not be patok in the restaurant, might not sell in the restaurant, or might not be appreciated. But you just want to let go and and you know let go and let God. And and I was invited to a dinner that Chef Izzy did, everything was off the menu. And he had this uh, amazing risotto that he actually made from popped rice. And I had never tasted anything like that. And the textures were like, whoa, you call it risotto and he would pour uh, like a creamy sauce over it. But it was popped rice, which is ampao. Uh, we call it ampao in Cebu. Yeah. So he basically used that. He used ampao. 
and 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 a sauce. I was like, oh my god! But it's not going to sell in the restaurant if I put it there. So he has these off the menu items. So those those are the two restaurants that I I wish people would um, appreciate and and go to more, um, so they don't close. You know, yeah, that's a that's a that's like a problem now post COVID. How everyone can survive, and a dish that I actually prepared. Uh, you know off the top of my head that I wanted to tell people about that not a lot of people have heard. I don't know if you've heard of this because I Googled it prior to the show and some websites actually claim it to be Kapampangan, but most of the websites claim that it is Samuanos. It's called Agusos, A-G-O-S dash O-S, Agusos. Agusos is something that I heard from my father. My father, uh, clings to his roots tenaciously. He tells me about all the childhood food that he he had. So gusos is sweet potato, camote, that is wrapped around a meat and it ferments. So this was food that was pre-refrigeration. This was how food was uh, preserved back in the day. So I think they used onions as well, as onions or or garlic to preserve it so it's it's um they wrap the they wrap the meat the raw meat i would think it was raw or probably blanched or boiled meat in camote and that's a dish that is not um commercially available it's not even in Cebuana restaurants but i'd like to talk about it so that people would bring it back because it's distinctly Cebuano. It has a story to it, and uh, I, I think people should bring it back. And only a few people, they still, uh, I've heard of people that can still make it. Like my my Lola's Yaya, you know, can, can still make it. And I, I was in the process of looking for those people pre-COVID because we wanted to do something like a, like a, a food tour. Um, quest Man, hotel, actually. I want to I wanna learn, I want to learn that dish. Yeah, like, uh, it's probably fermented. No, the meat probably ferments in the sweet potato. Yes, it's, it's, it's potato. So, yeah. man, that would be that would be very very interesting. I think. Yeah, and, but, um, and another interesting fact is when I googled it, um, there have been studies about the the bacterial level or the probiotics of it. So, more research has gone into the probiotic aspect of it than the recipe itself or how it started so i thought it was amazing <laughs> there were studies done on, on on the fermentation process and what the bacteria was involved in it more than the the origin of it so so many gems that people so, so have people can keep their you know people can keep their kombucha i want my agosos <laughs> your agosos <laughs> The new fermented craze, yeah, kombucha, <laughs> or maybe Dude. invent like a agustos kombucha. Yes, chef. Jude, we have a question here from the audience from Ching Lee, hmm. one of our favorite food photographers. Oh, is dog ten still a thing in Cebu? What is what, dog ten? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I have a personal, um, I have a personal story about. It's not dog ten. It's ten Dove Street. So Ten Dove Street was her was Marisol Veraglio's address in Santo Niño Village. Marisol Veraglio was a food writer. I was her editor years after, but she was the mother of my brother's classmate in Sacred Heart. So uh, I knew her. 
um, back in the day when we were in elementary school. And when my mother would come to pick us up, sometimes we would walk to, because they lived really close to the school. And we would walk to their house and my mother would pick us up at their house. So I would observe her baking and cooking. And uh, so Tita Marisol was always like the Martha Stewart, in my mind. She was like a Martha Stewart of Cebu, even back in the day. And then she became a food writer, a food columnist for Sunstar. I became her editor years after that. I told her that story. I don't know, Tita, if you remember me, but I was a little kid in your, in your kitchen. And this was the first time, this is probably like in the 80s. It was the first time that I ever saw someone talking out loud while she was cooking because she was on a speaker phone and we had a rotary phone in our house so it <laughs> was like a it's like a what why who's she talking to and i could hear a voice and she had a speaker phone and she had a cosmopolitan magazine in her bathroom and i thought cosmopolitan when you're like what seven eight years old and you thought it was porn, right? I mean, cosmopolitan was like, you thought it was porn. So I was like, whoa, Tita Marisol has something naughty in her bathroom because she had a cosmopolitan magazine. So uh, fast forward to, I think, early 2000, um, she started to offer from the garage of her home, she started to offer, and this was revolutionary back in the day in Cebu, just cake, soup, and salad. She would bake a cake. She's known for her cakes. So it was a set, a whole set of cake, soup, and salad. And then she had like a sandwiches as well for you to pick from for your protein. And it, it was just tiny. It only sat like four. There were only like four tables. Because you can just imagine, this was literally in the garage of her car. Um, <laughs> and it was a distraction for her because her son actually died of a brain tumor very young. Uh, Ivan, that's her son, died of a brain tumor. And just to, uh, you know, um, distract her, she went back to baking. And um, yeah, so that's how 10 Dove Street uh, started out, just from her garage. They became so successful that the company that owns Pen Shop, um, who are huge, as, uh, Pen Shop started also in Cebu, so they're a Cebuano company. The owners of Pen Shop would always eat at 10 Dove Street. So they bought Tendo Street and now expanded it into like a whole restaurant chain in Cebu City. <laughs> so it's called oh, Tendo yeah. Street? It's Tendo it's Street. Tendo Street. Wow. Probably, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's, like, it's a thing probably in Cebu to name your restaurant for your address, like number nine <laughs> and Dead Street. It's probably a lucky street because they, they've pretty done good for themselves. They've done pretty well for themselves, actually. So I hope, it, yes, it's still a thing, Ching. And in fact, it's grown. It, they've grown from just one garage into like a whole chain bought by a big company. Man, <laughs> that's that's crazy. Yeah, and to think I've never even heard of the place, and I've been to Cebu like several times. So I can introduce you. Her. I can introduce you, you to some <laughs> Okay, so I think you know this. This show has been has had um, great Over connections time. to Cebu because we've had Jude and then we've had Justine. So I think once this COVID thing is done, we really need to go to Cebu and do a live episode there, right? Yes. Like, this You're is welcome. already the second time that we've discovered new stuff about Cebu. 
Um, so definitely, we should head there once this whole crazy um, pandemic situation is over. I, I promise you that I won't charge yet. <laughs> for, for that. I won't charge because you were you were egging me to start charging, but no, not for yes. you. But not us. No. <laughs> <laughs> not for you. But your meal is on us. Don't worry about that. <laughs> what were you saying, your tea? Your meal is on us. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Okay. Oh, like, I'm sure you need to go, but then just one more thing I just wanted to add. Um, another surge of interest here in Cebu is we've always been known for our beaches. Um, people always think like, you know, go to the beach, go to the beach. But in recent years, there's been a push to explore the mountains. Because another thing that people don't realize is when you talk about Cebu City, flatland, the one that you recognize now as the city itself, is only 20, 25% of Cebu City. 75% of it is up in the hills. And people have not discovered that. And, and, and I've been to Taiwan, and I love their leisure farm experience. I write about it all the time and invited by the Taiwan government to go and write about them. What they do is they convert their farms into leisure activities and, and to actual restaurants and actual from Airbnb type accommodations to five-star hotels with your own um, spa in the room. So they're starting to do that now in Cebu. And one of the farms that I love going to is Adlaon um, Nature Farm, which is real farm-to-table experience because they you can actually shuck your corn right then and there. And then in a few minutes, they'll prepare it and it's actually on your table. They have their tamarind suka and all that. So that's a story wow. that I want to push i want to push that because we should explore you don't need to go to like three hours away uh you know tip to tip to cebu if you just confine yourself to just cebu city there's some mountains that have been largely unexplored until now so there's a lot of garden places as well um that 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 people should explore um hidden gems in the city itself so i'd, I'd love to bring you to all those places i'm so excited you have no idea yeah. <laughs> when was the I'm last time you were here when was the last Richie? time you were here oh me the last time i was there for a i uh, know i was there for work actually i brought my wife um, I, I was there for a tour for Philips. We Philips the air fryers and all. We did something mm-hmm. in SM in SM. I know uh, one of the SM. <laughs> I forgot which one. Um, it was a fun. I know it was a very fun tour. And then my wife and I ate at this. Uh, I, I keep on forgetting the name. It's a famous barbecue place in the I in the uh, IT. I know in the IT park. It's the one with the oh. sauce where you sauce everything. There's a special sauce. For the right, for the oh, yes, it's yeah. not AA. It's, it's, it's something else, but it's not AA. I remember Wait. my friends told me, Ed, this is a special barbecue. <laughs> yeah, it's a special barbecue place. They said, This is how you eat it you put the special sauce on your rice so that your barbecue can dip in the vinegar. He's so gonna kill was, me. I think you're talking about Yatsky Barbecue. Is it Yatsky Barbecue? Yes, it's Yatsky. Yes. Yeah, that's where my son told me to go. He's going to kill me because he, it's owned by a, a good friend of mine. He's actually a doctor, uh, a surgeon. And 
yeah, he's a surgeon and um, I went to school with him. So he owns it. And um, yeah, that's like our version of barbecue is a little sweeter. I don't know if you notice it. We like it sweet. I, I don't like mind. It. I like sweet food. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. On the sweet side. All right. Our list is growing. But uh, Jude, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this. Uh, thank you for having episode. me. Uh, we love the stories. You know, I, 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 I survive on stories. Um, <laughs> so thank you for the juicy stories. Um, before we go, do you want to promote uh, any of your upcoming projects or social media? Oh, God, no. So the projects all got held up. So I don't know. So find me on social media. It's at Jude Bakal. So I, I, you know, it's not really something that it's difficult to explain. People follow me because they want to follow me. I don't want them to follow me if they're expecting something else. But I can point your direction. I can point your direction to good food if that's one of the things. But I also post a lot of other things as well. So I don't really have like a like a dedicated page or a dedicated um um, dedicated social media for all this stuff except for uh, you can probably check out on Facebook CebuCityTouristMap.com it's a project that I started out it was cut short by COVID but my idea is we don't have a tourist map at all in Cebu at all so I found that strange as one of the number one tourist destinations in the country we don't have a tourist map because the first thing that tourists would look for when they arrive at a, at a destination right which is tourist map so we don't have one that's made by a Cebuano we have um, Japanese made maps and Korean made maps and all these other maps but not one by a Cebuano so this is the very first one and maybe they can check that out I, I will be reviving it once this whole mess is over. So it's CebuCityTouristMap.com or CebuCityTouristMap on Facebook. So you can check that out. I might sporadically put some material. I'm, I'm, I'm actually working on, I'm just so lazy, but I've been filming and I've been developing a behind the scenes stories of mine, stories that have been published of things that you don't know about Cebu. Uh, just to tease you, I'm sure I, I promise this will be the last thing I'll talk about. <laughs> um, okay. Like, for example, uh, I, I was my mind was blown by the fact that you've known of the Santo Nino Church, right? It's one of the first things that you go to in Santo Nino. The Magellan's Cross is right behind it. You take a look at the altar. Augustinian saints, amazing. But did you ever ask yourself what was behind the altar? And I discovered when I was talking to the Augustinian priest, because they love me, I don't know why, but they invite me to their private quarters. I eat their food and they started one night, just out of the blue, they asked me, Jude, have you ever been to our library? And it turns out, literally right behind the altar is a 300 year old library run by the Augustinians, which was there when the church was established, which means it's as old as the church, 300 years old, where books are still written in vellum. It's a goatskin? Is it goatskin? So it's actually a library behind the altar. And these are things that not even your basic Cebuano would know. So I'd like to release those stories in CebuCityTourismMap.com as well. So I'm working on that. Okay, well, watch out for that. Um, Richie, how about you? What do you uh, want to promote? Well, just my, you know, just my uh, YouTube page, uh, my YouTube channel, sorry. It is The Pickiest Eater. 
And on Friday, we're going to be holding a workshop at Thoughtful Philippines for those Ooh. that are interested in live streaming. Uh, it's going to be hosted by Ted Claudio of What's Up PH. Uh, and um, apart from that, yeah, just follow me on The Pickiest Eater on Instagram and Facebook. The Pickiest Eater of the World on Facebook. Uh, Ed, okay. how about you? Yeah, um, hi. Uh, hi, you know. Hi, um, it's just uh, at Chef Edward on all my social media channels on uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Uh, on Facebook, it's edward.bugia. Yung, my, for YouTube, I just do a lot of recipes that I can do and execute online. Uh, fun recipes. And for Facebook, if you guys want to follow me there, uh, from time to time, I do Facebook lives for recipes. Uh, uh, that are very simple. You can be done in 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, they just day-to-day recipes. So there, that's about it. Maybe, maybe Chef Edward, right. you'd like and to, for me, to uh, ask everyone to... Sorry, uh, I, I just wanted to ask maybe Chef Edward, because we belong to this little group on, on Telegram, maybe you'd like to ask people to... Oh yeah, definitely. Vote, right? And uh, make this an opportunity to tell people that the voting registration actually started on September 1st. And if you want your voice to be heard, please go to comelec.gov.ph to find yeah. out how you can... Oh, it's fine. I tell my friends, if you want to complain, if you want to complain about the government, you better make sure you're a registered voter. You're a registered voter. I have, not, yeah. I have not missed an election in all these yeah. years since I started. I have not. My, my friends always tell me, Ed, we have the right to complain. We pay our taxes. I said, uh, all right. not really. You have to vote. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, you have to pay your taxes and vote if you want to complain. <laughs> uh, for yeah. me, uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Chef Charwin. And uh, I'm dropping a new video uh, on my YouTube channel, Chef Charwin T. Um, I'm taking a break from Straight Guy K-Drama Reviews. So um, tomorrow will be a cooking video. I'm cooking cabbage rolls for uh, Julie and San Jose. Okay, so uh, there you go, guys. Uh, Jude, thanks again Lala. for joining us. And, Thank you, um, guys. Let's uh, let's uh, make sure I know to to catch that Cebu episode uh, with a new light, you know, with all of these backstories. Uh, <laughs> let's revisit that Cebu episode um, and see uh, how beautiful the stories really are. All right, that's it. Thank you, guys, and join us again next week when we'll host another exciting and juicy episode of the City. Yeah. <laughs> Gang! Gang! Bye! Bye! Bye. Bye.